1: Thank you, sponsors. Thank you. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast.
0: Welcome, listeners. This week we got a wetsuit designer slash rapper extraordinaire with decades of experience. He's famous for making those epic superhero wetsuits that Barney used to wear, and now he's taken the market by storm. I'm focusing on Grom suits, the JOB collection, and infusing pun
2: back into sport. Welcome Ryan Buell. What's up? What's up? What's up? Six foot three, six foot eight, and seven six. I got a whole quiver of sticks, and it's about time to go to town. So check, check my Chris Brown wrap around. And you know, my good buddy of Buell Surf, his name is Rocky. But right now, it's Buell with Late Night and Chalky. Drop Let's the mic. Stuff. Drop the motherfucking Drop mic! Drop it like it's hot! Holy sheep shit! Our shit tits off. Check the feel. Build wetsuits. We just keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, what an, intro. what an intro!
1: That was probably the best intro we've ever had on the Late Night with Talking podcast. <laughs> Round of applause! Oh, thank
2: you, thank you, thank you, thank you,
1: Round of motherfucking <laughs> applause, dude.
2: I got some, I got some uh, big competition. I I recently listened to that uh, Bob McKnight um, podcast, and it was it was awesome. So I got big big shoes to fill, and I'm ready.
1: All right, well, we're ready too, man. Let's uh, let's start it off at the beginning. How how did you get into surfing, Mister Buell?
2: Break it down. Oh, shoot. Uh, Living by the beach and uh, doing junior lifeguards, for sure. Uh, I grew up as a junior lifeguard, and um, uh, I I actually learned to surf down there on the beach um, in between sessions, grabbing one of the soft boards, and had my first ride, and, and I've been hooked ever since. Nice, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, we, uh,
0: we have a big uh, junior lifeguard program down here. All of our kids are going through it, and it's just—it's so good to get them infused into into the beach and learning the rights and wrongs, the currents, and and everything, and respect to the ocean. It's a—it's a really good program. It's awesome.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, it, up here in Santa Cruz, where I'm from, it's it's become quite a you know it, it's it's mandatory pretty much if you live in the town and you want to surf and enjoy the ocean and uh you know all the great surfers from santa cruz started out down there on that beach running swimming paddling a little bit of structure you know some of our instructors you know instilled uh uh some of those qualities that we still see today and like i just think it's a great program and uh not much has changed now than when i did it you know 40 years ago yeah yeah so your first board was pretty much a soft top, like learning on one of those uh, instructor boards? Uh, you know that that uh, I think I was eight years old doing the little lifeguard program down in Santa Cruz. And there was rare waves breaking out in front of the casino there in Santa Cruz, which, if you know Main Beach, it doesn't often have waves. But there was waves breaking out by the buoy. And at lunchtime, I asked one of the instructors to borrow one of the big 10-foot banana boards paddled out caught a wave rode it to the beach and just uh like i said i was hooked and and i went home and told my mom i wanted uh i wanted a surfboard for christmas and um i got a mike locatelli surfboard he's a santa cruz legend from a a shop called um uh, portola surf shop it was bright and bold and had the word loco on it and
1: the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
2: I was so proud to carry that around town and like meet up with my buddies and and uh, yeah, it started lifelong surfing love affair. I yeah. guess yeah. that's awesome. What,
1: what size was that board? What,
2: that uh, it board was a got? five. It was it was a five ten, and I was. All of probably four ten, so <laughs> it was it was quite a bit big for me. But I liked the graphics on it, and the price was right. And uh, um, I told my mom exactly which one to get, and she got it for me. And and uh, yeah, I was stoked on it. Nice classic classic eighties board, the huge logos like that big. Oh yeah, some splatters. Probably I think it was yellow with red rails. It was just it was wild for sure. Oh, wow. Thruster. Yep. Glass yeah. on thruster. Nice. And what I really remember is is showing it off to my friends, like, uh, who also had boards. And it was like I got to join the crew. And yeah. uh, we surfed together all the time right out in front of where we lived in a spot called Santa Maria's, uh, more better known as Santa Mo's, And it's got uh, waves that break up against the uh, cliffside. And then they refract. And they come off and they make this bowl and it, it you can almost catch the side wave early and kind of milk it into the bowl and all it had to be it was like one foot and we were hyped nice yeah so did you, did you compete when you're uh grom at all yeah yep i i surfed a little bit of the i think it was the wsa at that point maybe it was the nssa was also in there uh i did a few of those events um really picking it up in high school at Soquel high and uh i was really I, I surfed on the surf team there three or four years we had a great squad somebody recently sent me the photo of our surf team and it's like it's like 40 deep of some of the most <laughs> classic santa cruz characters of all time and even captained by uh frosty hessen who was the guy they featured in the Jay Moriarty movie, uh, same high school, same coach, and we had John Hunter, uh, local O'Neill wetsuit designer as our like strength coach, and it was it was great times. And uh,
1: that guy still we had these. That guy still works for O'Neill, right? John Hunter. Yep,
2: yeah. still the main wetsuit designer, and all, you know I must say a uh, uh, quite an inspiration in my life. Uh, his younger brother, John Hunter, uh, Jay Hunter. Uh, was one of my best friends growing up. We were basketball, baseball jock buddies. And uh, I vividly remember cruising into his older brother's backyard and seeing all these prototype wetsuits from O'Neill. And uh, I was like, man, wouldn't that be cool to design wetsuits one day? And uh, funny thing, a a few years later, uh, I was working for Hotline. Nice. And uh, which, you know, was, was later on in my career. But I worked for Hotline, and suddenly my buddy Jay's all, hey, John Hunter says you can't come in the backyard anymore. <laughs> of course not. And I was all, oh, man. Cross oh, these... that bridge, man. Cross that yeah. bridge. And I man. thought it was cool. He's all, you can come in. Just don't look at anything. I'm all right, all right. It's all good. And that kind of uh, started my career off with how kind of important, you know, design work and Kind of for a lot of companies, being first to market is so. Yeah, uh, yeah big ups to John Hunter yeah. uh, right. of O'Neill. So,
1: so let's go back. Are you are you West Side or or?
2: Well, that's you know I'd like to say I'm Santa Cruz, just because <laughs> I grew up on I grew up on the East Side. I uh, went to Soquel High. Uh, we battled against Santa Cruz High. We battled in that championship um, surf off, which we surfed in like eight to ten foot Scotts Creek bombing waves against santa cruz high which had like daryl flea Verosco and sean barney Barron, and uh they were stacked and uh and so i started out on the east side and then when i graduated high school i got a job as a lifeguard on the west side i got a little bachelor pad down here on the west side and never looked back so yeah. i'd like to think i'm all sides but currently west side (laughs) hey you know all brothers and sisters out in the water bud yep oh for sure for sure it's fun to talk about but the thought of like like actual fisticuffs and what they used to go through with the west side raiders and the pleasure point night fighters that shit was real (laughs) man yeah yeah Yeah, we're 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 living in a different age and I I like it how it is yeah Yeah, for sure But it is yep. kind
1: of interesting to look back and see how like even in the same freaking city, how, how localism really divided, you know, honestly, like a stretch of beach, right? Like you, you pretty yeah. much had to – if you don't come from the, from the right side of the tracks or the street, then, you know, you weren't allowed to surf that spot, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, and there was, uh, you know – definitely i mean we're separated by uh, a hill which is highway 17 and so it was clear if you weren't from here back then <laughs> and, and there was definitely rules and i'd like to think that you know the whole surf community's eased up a little bit and that you know out-of-towners kind of understand that a little bit more but yeah there's still squabbles it's funny yeah. who was your crew that you surfed with when you were young who was your your boys early on Yeah. Early on, uh, a guy named Bobby Spurl, his name was Beans, a guy named Aaron Bierman, also known as Bear, and one of my uh, best friends growing up was uh, Eric Davis, a.k.a. Fred Snaps. So, (laughs) kind of the four of us, and nicknames here are are deep and entrenched, and again, it was Beans, Bear, Fuel and Fred Snaps and uh, we started out at um, Santa Mo's there and we worked our way down to Pleasure Point and uh, eventually we ended up kind of like we all agreed that the hook was kind of the funnest spot when we were really young Uh, 26th Avenue we'd roll around everywhere we're kind of we're a little rat pack, and, and it's really rad to think back on those. And all all four of those guys, or all three of those guys, uh, still surf really good. Yeah. How, how psyched would you have been to have electric bike back in the day, going through all the hills <laughs> and going from east side to west side and back? You would. You would have been. Oh my god! Me. I can't tell you how many times. Like at least <laughs> once every time one of us would drop our board because your hands were so cold. But, <laughs> and it was all. It wasn't funny. But it was funny when yeah. one of us would do it. Like your hands were like clubs, and like, yeah. and it was hard to surf with club foot. And I remember jumping in the hot shower too quickly after being in the cold water, and your hands would blow up. And and I'd show my mom, and she'd be like, "You got to go to the doctor. That's crazy. <laughs> you get uh, itchy. They would it sting and get itchy yeah. as hot. We You're like, ah, oh, I must have been places. going from such cold to such hot so quick.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, were you and your boys surfing the contest together?
2: Uh, so, at first, we we didn't. I would say we were. There was a handful of, of groms that were uh, winning contests. Uh, a kid named Justin Burns and um, Adam Rapogel. Uh There was kids who were already taking home trophies, and we saw that and kind of and wanted to be like them. So, we jumped in a little bit a little bit later and like. You know, I want to say my my surf contest career. You know, I was I was always struggling to make heats, and if I made a heat, dude, I was so psyched. And it seemed like odds were if they were six man heats, I was getting fourth. (laughs) If they're four man heats, I'd get a lot of thirds. And and uh, for me, um, it was real fun to surf because I I I didn't consider myself uh, a favorite. Whereas, kind of, I, I was a bit more of a jock. And so I had more success in, like, junior lifeguards. You know, I, I, I'd i win paddleboard races. Nice. but And, and I, was, I was the favorite in those, and I felt pressure to win those things. But in surfing, I knew there was a handful of kids that were just at another level. Yeah. So it took a little of that pressure off. And I want to say for me, surfing out of all the sports was the funnest because there were no real uh, – expectations other than dude, if I can make it through a couple heats and have my name announced. Yeah. Uh, and if they posted the scores and, and I had like a seven or something, I, those were the things that made me psyched. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah. And I ended up surfing, you know, contests way later on in life. Even like I made a final of a Volcom event, like when I was maybe 27 or 28, just all the stars aligned <laughs> and the waves just kind of came my way, and I found myself in a final with uh Rat Boy, Bud Freitas, uh, Anthony Tajnik, um, just a whole host of epic yeah. Santa Cruz uh legends. And uh, I figure if you do enough contests, eventually you know, you'll have your, your yeah. day.
3: Yeah,
2: I didn't win, I never won any of them, uh, but I sure had a lot of fun doing it, and
1: that's them. all that really matters, right? Like, yeah. I mean, a, a first place trophy is a good thing, but I mean, if you're not having fun, why do it? Right.
0: Well, well, that, and yeah. I think the, the competitions help elevate your, you know, your, your, uh, ability too. you know, just being around all those guys seeing what's going on makes you try a little bit harder. just makes you want it a little bit more. And, you know, just being around that, I think elevates your
2: surfing. Yeah. So for sure. And even later on in life, okay. Uh, Later on in life, uh, you know, Flea and Barney, I, I competed against them in that high school championship, but later at hotline, I was, I was managing them and I found myself at photo shoots, you know, with them and occasionally surfing with them. And sometimes, you know, feeling like I'm almost competing with them and realizing that your friends are some of the best uh, athletes in the world is humbling because you think you could hang with them, but, uh, those guys uh, were some of the best in the world, pioneers of air and uh, big waves. And recently, hanging out with Jamie O'Brien, uh, I found myself bomb dropping off like a six foot cliff <laughs> into waves for the first time ever. Just because I was like, "Fuck it, I want to do that." Like, I want to see if I could stick one.
1: Let's so uh, let's backtrack to um, so you didn't do a lot of contests, right? Nah, take a, different not route. a lot,
2: but, but again, in high school, I think the most competitive thing was trying to make that six man uh, varsity team. So even the inner, you know, school contest to try and make those teams were heated and fun. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of my competition came from, you know, surf competition came from those high school years.
1: Yeah. So uh, what was your first job in the industry then?
2: Uh, my first job in the industry shoots I'm gonna I'm gonna say lifeguarding okay. Lifeguard, just because I, I really tie it all into one giant you know um, water person or like I, I I often bundle them into the same thing that's where I really kind of fell in love for the ocean uh, as far as uh, on a professional side yeah but uh, I got a job at Santa Cruz surf shop over on the east side over on 41st right in the heart of kind of that whole surf community and uh i spent about four or five months there before i met up with uh uh daryl flea Verosco's brother troy Verosco, who happened to be the hotline salesman uh i was talking to him about ordering suits for the shop and we got talking about all sorts of different things, and he happened to say, you know, there's there's a job opening up in the production department that I think you might be really good for. And I was like, no shit, really? And he's like, yeah, it involves art, and it's creative, and I think you should check it out. And a uh, couple, couple weeks later, I was uh, starting over at Hotline Wetsuits uh, right near the harbor in That's Santa Cruz in the heart.
1: What a great conversation, right? That led to, like, what you're doing now,
2: right? So... Heck, yeah. And then, to, to I mean, to be basically linked with his brother for so long in my professional career is is now looking back on it. Wow, those Barrasco's sure were a part of my uh, beginning career.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, were you... Thrown into like a designing or or what was your what was your role what was
2: your job I was hired as a production the production manager's assistant okay Hi, and man. yeah go get me coffee no <laughs> uh, and the weird thing is we were right we were a block from the beach but the office that I shared with this guy uh, had no windows. Oh. None. And there was, dude, there was a a fax machine. uh, There was an old DOS computer. There was a landline. uh, And there was uh, a copy machine. And then there was a pencil sharpener and a pencil. And for like the first three months, I want to say, like, that's all you do is you're waiting for the fax machine to run or a phone call to come. Uh, It was crazy, you know, to think back when I started and where we are today with being able to access anything anywhere (laughs) so so i I started out as the production assistant and it turns out the guy who hired me wanted to become a uh professor and really was waiting to hire his predecessor uh or his successor uh so even though I got hired as the production assistant, his plan all along was to train me and hand the keys to me. Uh, two months into it or something, he, he decided, you know what? You got this, dude. You surf. You have a good mind for this. I'm going to pass this thing on right here, right now. And I was like, Shh, so we. How old were you? Spun around in my chair <laughs> a couple of times, like sharpened the pencil. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm I'm in the surf industry. Now let's dig in. And yeah. uh, it went from a Rolodex full of information and just one Rolodex card by one card by emails. I kind of started my career in the wetsuit world. That's crazy. So, did, yeah. Did that
0: responsibility come with a big pay raise or was it just a, a little bump?
2: Uh, surf industry? Nah. I mean, yeah, I it's, I always think, you know... Well, uh, how old were you? At that point, I was 27. All right. So... 27. Yeah, really, I spent... I spent, uh, uh, the first decade of my life, uh, dedicated to lifeguarding. Uh, I lifeguarded for the city of Santa Cruz, and I traveled the world, um, both on, like, international, um, uh, lifeguard exchange programs, and I traveled all over the world competing in lifeguard competitions. And for me, it was kind of like the endless summer. But I had ten years of you know toes in the sand, um, running around as a lifeguard before I took that yeah, what you, I would call office job.
1: You skipped the awesome. whole decade, bro. Come on. Yeah, you're supposed to
2: include I, that shit in. <laughs> yeah, skip. Well, I did. I, I said that was my first you know industry job to some extent, but it wasn't until I got hired at Hotline that I really dove in. So and
1: uh, so literally, you got a late start in in what you're doing now, right? in the wetsuit business. So, yeah, so you started at Hotline, and at that time, uh, Daryl yeah. Flea was on, right? Who else was Sean, on Sean Michael?
2: H- Barney. Yeah. Baron.
1: yes sir
2: barney yeah. was my muse and uh you know i designed and made all of his uh batman superman aquaman yeah. the thing i made all those wetsuits so so amazing uh, barney was the guy and uh uh we we spent 20 years in the industry together before he unfortunately passed away and uh he wore my suits from day one till the end. Hotline for 10 years. When I started Buell Wetsuits, I had Volcom as a client. He wore the Volcom wetsuits. When he was uh, let go from Volcom, I picked him up for Buell. So from day one till his last ride, which, by the way, was a sick barrel out at Mitchell's Cove, wearing a brand new Buell that he was so excited to get. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, Barney was, uh, to me, in the wetsuit world, was was everything. And yeah. still to this day, I owe my street cred to Barney. Uh, uh, when when um, Hunger Games came knocking on my door to, to design stuff for Jennifer Lawrence, it was because they're like, you're the guy who designs those superhero suits. So (laughs) my link with Barney has been tight and long, and that's why he rides with me everywhere. Uh, uh, But the key to to Hotline really, when you go back was that Hotline had a USA factory. Mm. We had 30 employees when I was hired. And one of my jobs was managing the factory. And so, you know, I was able to dig, I spent a lot of time in the factory working with the highly skilled women that had been making hotline wetsuits for uh, 15 years at that point, 20 years at that point, almost. So I was able to bounce my wild ideas off them and they made me make my own wetsuits. They made me glue my own suits. They laughed when I came back, and I said, leaky, so leaky. And uh, they laughed. They're all, we told you not to skip the compressor step. You were in a big hurry. Yeah. And and by making my own suits, by making Barney suits, uh, that was, you know, that launched, like, what I'd become and, and why I started Buell was really because because I'd learned every aspect, including making my own wetsuits. And it all started there at Hotline and in that factory. And I had the ability to just kind of run wild. You know, Barney was like, how about Spider-Man? And I'm like, hell yes. (laughs) So I go in there and I take the, you know, medium tall size pattern set and I trace it all out onto a table and I I put it all together into one piece, and then I just start drawing and dissecting it apart and uh, creating what would become his, you know, Spider Man wetsuit. And uh, I'll be darned if, like, uh, three weeks later, he wasn't on the cover of Surfing Magazine at the box, like, looking like Spider Man in the suit I drew. And like, the yeah, it was hard work to make suits yourself, but the yeah. reward of like actually seeing it. Like a lot of times you make stuff, it's gone, you never see it. But when you put it on a guy like Barney or Flea and it's on the cover or it's a it's a spread, uh, it's just like I mean, I can't say enough for you know designers who have good muses because yeah. what separated me from let's say, you know, John Hunter for instance is he didn't have a Barney. <laughs> dude there's only one barney there's only one guy who could wear right. a wolverine wetsuit yeah Did, and I mean, uh how, how going back to that like having yeah. that factory
0: at your disposal and just having that DIY, like you know setup has got to give you the freedom versus putting something on paper shipping it overseas and thinking and it's going to come back like you made it right there that that's i mean not a lot of people don't get that
2: advantage e- Yeah, you know, I mean, I can't speak for all the brands, but uh, most of them, you know, the concepts drawn on a piece of paper and then it's sent off and you're like, I hope the person over there making the patterns understands that I wanted the line down here and not cutting right through the arm. Like they interpret your design and then it it gets put on a pattern. And I'll give you an example. Like way too many times you'll see a really tiny chest pattern. And it makes no sense. You're like, who made that? That looks really weird. And oftentimes I think that's because, you know, the actual pattern maker is interpreting the person's two-dimensional designs. Right, yeah. So, uh, you know, that was one of the things I inherited was, you know we would design in hotline we would design it on paper we would send it off to hotline japan they would make the patterns they would come back and honestly i spent most of my time fixing the patterns yeah yeah either making the lines move to a different spot or just fixing the fit which for whatever reason japanese are they're they're very uh particular that they believe that the armpit should be big <laughs> that's just how they make the wetsuits every japanese custom has these huge armpits and i try and explain to them i don't think that's what anyone wants and they're all it's for mobility and I'm all, <laughs> i know but the materials are so stretchy you don't yeah. need that now that's just going to cause a rash <laughs> it yeah yeah but you know I, I guess it's more that you know i've always been i know what i want and i've always been a perfectionist so i started out by just fixing problems and and things i saw on patterns and then i started developing an understanding for patterns how they were put together uh you know putting together the armpit pattern is that 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 was a huge advancement in wetsuit design back in the 80s because you know the straight cuts with the uh, intersection of the points coming in the armpit and in the crotch was never comfy. So by us adding the gusset here and I call it, you know the crotch gusset, those were two huge early innovations. But until I actually put together a wetsuit myself, I didn't realize how much more difficult the armpit or crotch is to put together compared you can connect these pieces they like line up you're like yeah no worries now here it's this wild football shaped pattern that needs to connect to a round circle yeah and so by actually doing it myself and I had ideas and the ladies would laugh at me ha, 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 ha. and I'm all, I'm going to do it then. And I would do it. And then I'd come to a problem and they're all, ha, 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 ha. and after like a lot of those, I started figuring stuff out yeah. and I started making my own patterns first using templates that were already existed. And then I got tired of that. I wanted to start from scratch and, uh, damn, uh, the, uh, uh, 3D plotters that everyone uses are about thirty grand. The software for it is like you know five thousand dollars a year to have a seat on this thing to be able to create your own patterns. Well, at Hotline we didn't have that. Yeah. In fact, we had we were paying like a thousand bucks a month for storage because we had paper patterns. Paper. We had to make two of everything so that we had one paper pattern in a storage container in case there was a fire because there was no digital evidence whatsoever of hotlines patterns. We're talking old school. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) but at some point you're like, "Fuck, this is limiting like our ability." And after a while, you draw on those patterns; they get twisted. And I'm like, "Gotta take us into the new age." But there's no way the owner of Hotline's ever gonna buy this 3D mm-hmm. plotter or my seat on the for the software. And uh, because you know, I had to wear a lot of different hats, I'd learned Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop, and I'd become quite a whiz on, on those two programs from creating ads and campaigns and and I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a process of digitizing all these paper patterns i'm going to start but i mean for me it's i'm telling some deep secrets but anybody who can't figure this out probably shouldn't be in the game anyway right (laughs) Uh, you know you, you you start out by you know taking photos of the patterns with a ruler reference so that you can then blow it up to actual size then i'd go in and create vector artwork with anchor points that basically traced the patterns i'd already created and then i was able to basically turn paper patterns into vector based art from there you can pull and twist on anchor points change curves and all of a sudden i had something to work with because i understand i understood how those patterns connected to one another i knew what i could disassemble and put back together uh, because of all those things, I was able to create my own way of, of making patterns on Adobe illustrator. And uh, that was the beginning of what uh, a lot of my friends called the eight armed wetsuit monster, which (laughs) kind of is, is where the Buell mascot originated because it was, here's the Buell mascot. Uh, The Buell mascot originated from uh, my friends calling me an eight-armed wetsuit monster and me wanting a mascot that would represent that. And what it really meant was concept to delivery, meaning uh, Quicksilver, Rip Curl, all these companies, O'Neill. You know how many people were doing my job at O'Neill? You know, John Hunter conceptualized it it on probably you know he, he got back involved with the R&D level and making sure it's good but guess guess who made the patterns guess who drew up the specifications that you sent to the factory to make the wetsuit that told that there's supposed to be a blind stitch here double needle stitch here lycra binding here uh I had gone through every phase of the wetsuit all the way to delivery including like controlling raw materials uh to where you would base the amount of yields of neoprene you need per wetsuit and i would order bulk zippers thread glue logos and i had to manage it almost like you're making tacos you don't want to end (laughs) up with like way too many tomatoes and not enough meat you know what i mean so there was all these facets of my job that uh created this what i would call you know wetsuit monster and at hotline at some point uh they were f- fucking handcuffing me <laughs> how long how long was your run at, at uh frontline i mean hotline sorry enough that they should have gotten me a watch uh uh i believe it was 11 years going into tw- going into 12 uh And I I rode the the best years ever. I mean, the yin and yang of having Barney and Flea at their height. They were pioneering big waves, uh, big airs, punk rock, bold colors, don't give a fuck. I mean, to be a part of that whole uh, revolution and right on into uh, Flea's three maverick wins not only was I making his wetsuits, but I was announcing, you know, wow. I I got to announce him winning uh, the event. And I wrote personal messages on the inside of his wetsuit, like to take it, take home the title for the boys. And like, uh, to be that involved, um, it, it, was, it was just a remarkable time. And uh, I never thought I'd, I'd be involved in anything like that again. But to now sit here with Jamie O'Brien and the, the talented team that we have now, I'm like, man, maybe the best is still yet to come.
1: That's a great way to look at it, too. It's pretty amazing. I want to go back and talk about Hotline and how you started back. as a production assistant. And, you know, you explained all the things you learned. What training did you have for this job before nothing, right? You just kind of
2: learned it as you went. Yeah. Yeah. I would say some of the things that were beneficial were, you know, I I uh did a lot of cartoon cartoon stuff as a youngster and that turned into uh in high school I took a lot of mechanical drawing and drafting classes. Okay. Uh, because those were some of the classes that were available and I found out not only do I did I like um, you know drawing doodles and waves and cartoons but the technical drawing part of it was actually really fun That's and cool. to to use a ruler to draw three-dimensional items um, it to me kind of opened up that kind of mindset and I think I'd always had a design mindset i just wasn't really in a position to utilize it and i felt like the day i was given the keys i ran with it yeah and um i think being an artist just really helped i mean uh you know who, what other founder you know created his own logo
1: yeah that's that's dope
2: so you know the, every, my dna is just Is everywhere because it has to be it's it's at the core of kind of what and who I am and who the brand is on a wetsuit front like we are deeper into it than anybody can imagine and and we're deeper in because we've been I've been small I started Buell in my garage I've done every job in here so if we can keep that Kind of as we grow, then I, I think that's the key to success. Yeah. But uh, yeah. me being hella involved in everything, I think has kind of been my success point, and it includes the water and it includes surfing with Lee and Barney. And if something wasn't right, dude, you bet they'd tell me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like your best so, critics. oh for sure. I mean, best best thing I ever hear is uh you know christmas day when i go surf uh if i get the chance to surf on christmas day i can't tell you how great it feels to have people in a brand new buell go best gift i got yeah buell! yeah you know so like it's it's fuck it's those moments that yeah. you, you do all those things for and like so, they
0: keep me well, it honest like that, it seems like the passion you have i mean is what got you through all those challenges and and made you so you know just you know
2: consumed on that whole process that you were talking passion is everything
3: yeah yeah
2: and i mean i mean we did i mean i guess how did it how did it end at hotline you know i mean it really ended it just ran its course my ideas were bigger than the brand my ideas the owner the owner's name was brenda scott rogers a former professional surfer in her own right but she's dinosaur stuck in her own she's just stuck in her own world and didn't want to hear my newfangled ideas you know like just you know just how i try not to be today because because here i am deep into my career trying to tap into that youthful side because that runs everything and she really just didn't see it i had bigger ideas and i was like look you know my connection to volcom I made some wetsuits for Volcom with Hotline, but that's because they like me. Yeah. And if you don't start listening to me and my ideas, I'm gonna have to uh, hit the road, Jack. And and uh, there wasn't much of a response there, and I was like, I was like, wow, 12 years here built like something pretty damn cool. Won't give me the time of day. I think. July 4th is going to be my independence day. Yes, it is. And so I quit on the 4th of July, uh, pushed it up. I quit having an idea that I wasn't done in wetsuits yet, but I didn't know exactly where it was going. Like, do Do I just go to Volcom and be all, hey, dude, let's start a wetsuit division together? Do I start my own brand that specializes in uh, private label wetsuits with Volcom as my first client. I think I'll do that. And then I'll, on the underground, I'm going to make Buell wetsuits for me and my friends. I'm not even going to sell them, though. I'm just going to make my money by clients like Volcom, Nike, Ruka, Rusty, Reef. I'm going to make my money on that. I'm, it's going to cost me $70, 100 whatever dollars to make. I'm going to charge them double... I'm going to give them a discount if they allow me to put a Buell logo on the outside. Brilliant marketing.
3: Yeah.
2: Basically, I gave them a tiny discount to collab, and it looked like I had Heath Walker and Kai Otten and the entire Reef team. And uh, so I was making money on the wetsuits that uh, that I was making for these big brands, and then I was putting that money into my own Buell brand, but really just to give out to my buddies. And then I decided, you know, maybe I should sell those. That's pretty. And then I started opening, I started selling them out of my garage.
1: So, so, and I, so Buell, yep. when, when you decided to, uh, to quit, how, how did you do it face to face? Did you write her a letter? Like, how did that go down?
2: Uh, <clears throat> you know, um, we had an absentee owner. Um, who bought a house in Hawaii and moved there. Uh, Again, Brenda was in Hawaii. Uh, Her deal was she was supposed to come back a few times a year. Um, This particular year, I was waiting for her to come back to have some serious conversations about, you know, where is this going? Where am I going with this? You know, I wasn't born to run your company. I was born for this, but I wasn't born to run your company. Never got to actually have that conversation. Um, You know, asked some deep questions in emails. Didn't get much of a response or like rise from her, like she was really going to fight for anything. Yeah. So I just wrote an email and went on my way. Uh, Because,
1: because, Bill, I I can imagine that you were having success with your two stars especially and hotlines, well, you know, popularity. I'm sure like you sold. Anything. What I was
2: going to say was that had, that had fizzled because you, I mean, you know, the history of, of William Barney, you know, it's not all, uh, punk rock airs, big waves and, uh, zero cares. Yeah. It, it, it was ups and downs, uh, you know, for Barney, he, he, he battled um, he battled a few different things but and for Flea he was just fucking crazy uh, and he went from he went from Tommy Lee winning Mavs losing $7,000 Oakley checks in your couch and then finding them and then going oh fuck it let's just have a party uh, he went from from winning Mavs events and uh Throw in having huge parties at the Dream Inn where they threw the TV, the couch, the bed and anything that wasn't bolted down out the 10th floor window and then he just cut a $3,000 check to the front desk in the morning. <laughs> he went from that to the wrong tray. The, yeah. the bad, really bad drugs and it got ugly and I don't know where it happened or how exactly it happened you know, for a guy like Flea, whose sponsors were Black Flies, punk as fuck, and uh, Rusty, who was relying on his image. Dude, they did a seven-page spread, seven straight two-page spread ads of Flea during his hike. He was the shit. Yeah, The most marketable. He's punk rock. He didn't give a care. He had leopard print hair, and he was the three-time defending Mavs champ. And that all worked until, and again, going back to Rusty, you know, I know Rusty, Blackflies, and even Hotline, we, we all kind of, you know, marketed him as the bad boy. And I know that weighed on him because he felt like he had to live up to it. Yeah. And at clarity moments in his life where maybe I should fucking pull my act together, you know, it was funny because sponsors really didn't want that. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: But then he went too far, and then he got addicted, and it became bigger than his surfing and him. And, I mean, shoot. You talk Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, steroid era you gotta talk uh big wave crystal meth mavericks don't care chucking myself over the ledge guys are uh, it, it, that that drug for those guys became steroids i mean you had to be fearless to go surf maps it was dark and scary Black as the night, the rocks on the inside. Flea'd been rinsed up on those rocks multiple times, sober. He did all of his heavy lifting, sober, clean, legit, as did Barry Bonds. And then at some point, something changed, and it's unfortunate. Like I don't think it mars his big wave career, but that one section of his career was was hard to watch he didn't fit into the wetsuits that i was making him uh those custom wetsuits i was making him specifically for the mavericks events i made him a custom suit by hand wrote win it for the boys west side let it ride wrote all those things on his wetsuits he won all three of those events with all three of those custom suits i made him Two or three years went by where they didn't have the event. He came back. I made him an all-white suit so that he looked clean. And I left it in the plastic. I said, please, dude, whatever you do, don't open it. And I was up there announcing the event and saw him getting ready on the dock. And it was the white wetsuit that I had made. And it had graffiti all over it, but shitty graffiti. Uh, like, it screamed, I'm on mess. Uh, and I was just like, and I couldn't do anything to help him. And I saw him motoring out to the Mavs events with his backup board that I told him to put wax on, free of wax. What does he do? And he shows up late for his heat. He, each shit breaks his first board. They, somehow he gets his backup board. It's got no wax. Next wave, he slides right off the front. And this is the three-time defending,
0: yeah, you knew Mavericks
2: champ, and I was like, "Fuck yeah. me!" And at some point, he, at some, he loses the heat. Uh, Greg Long lost his girlfriend off the back of his ski. Flee rescued her, and by rescued I mean he hijacked her, and he was doing donuts around the whole. <laughs> mavericks event with her on the back and greg long was like chasing him down to me back my girlfriend <laughs> i mean that's that's where it had gone to now to be fair to flee today he's one of the most respected respectful fathers uh sober for 12 years i can tell this story without i see him all the time i'm not sure tr- i'm not gonna be hiding from this story or scared that i told it yeah uh it's a reality and the story's been told yeah Um, so you know his his story is of incredible success i couldn't be prouder of a human being than see you want to talk high low you know how you sometimes you got to hit hit rock bottom he fell off of a like 40 foot cliff and landed on the rocks yeah like literally hit rock bottom yeah. and somehow dragged himself out of that pit, and he's become uh, just an incredible ambassador for surfing. And again, you know, uh, I hired Matt Rockhold from O'Neill. Matt Rockhold replaced himself with Flea. I still don't think O'Neill really truly knows the legend. I mean, they should, but the legend that they have managing their – you know O'Neill Surf Shop team. I mean, Flea is just. I mean, if you want to talk big wave, who who's won three of anything? Yeah. And uh, his performance at Waimea, even though he didn't stick anything, was of legends. So uh, much love to Flea.
1: That's awesome. man. So
2: that's an awesome story. But um,
0: to get back to like starting your wetsuit brand and and, and doing these collabs. This was in, like, 2009, so the economy was not at that shit. Yeah. It was in the shits. Um, and, you know, what a genius idea to, like, make suits for these brands for marketing on their side because they were, they didn't want to come in and compete with Rip Curl and O'Neill. They just wanted their athletes with their suits. So, you know, why try to build it themselves when they could find you and you partner with them and do it right and, and make them all unique? That's pretty genius for sure.
2: Yeah. So I knew, I mean, leaving a job is always a big gamble, but I knew, I knew my connection with Volcom was, was tight enough that they, they were going to come with me. Um, so I knew I had something going there, but the rest of it was, was a gamble. And because I think I, I knew so many people in the industry, uh, that were at the helm of, of a lot of these brands, um, I was able to roll right into i mean my my business model was based on like um i had a brand rating chart which i wrote down over a hundred surf brands that i thought might be big enough to want to have wetsuits with their name for their riders and they might be willing to pay for it whether it was maui and Sons all the big names that I end up capturing, or maybe it was Pepsi or Rockstar Energy. But I wrote down what I called the BPRC, and I had this list, and the top 12 were my first. I was just going to go down that list of the top 12 and figure out a way to get a hold of them and tell them my program, be flexible. I I didn't want to just make one design and slap their logo on it. Yeah. I wanted Volcom to have their own Volcom design. When I ultimately ended up getting Fox, you know, I looked for inspiration from their motorcycle uniforms. The colorways they used, the logos, the lines, and I interpreted, I basically represented uh Fox's designs back to them in a wetsuit form. Wow. You know, so uh I really just didn't want to I'd seen brands before, like, you know, just slap an iron-on logo on an XL. But it's transparent. You know, it's, the rider's like, oh, yeah, look at I got uh, Instinct or whatever. It was going to, Volcom, here. And it, it was clearly, there was actually, like, you know, areas where the heat press hit and it was lighter because it had become too hot. Yeah. It was just transparent. It's not professional looking and it doesn't bring a punch to it. And neither does using the regular Buell patterns or hotline and then just putting a logo on it. People, surf savvy people are going to be like, oh, they put a they put a, a Volcom logo on a Buell. Yeah. Uh, and what I really wanted to bring was that I wanted to bring something different to every brand and it really became... Valuable for me when I jumped into the blood feud. <laughs> Volcom versus Ruka. Ooh. They're only two blocks away from one another. Certain employees started at Volcom, now at Ruka. Ruka thinks Volcom sucks. Volcom thinks Ruka's copying their stuff. Uh, Are we talking Logan Dooley in here, bud? Oh, we're just talking everybody. The, the, <laughs> the culture... The culture in those early days were was pretty heated, and into the it in, into the um, Pat Towersy days for sure. You know, yeah. Pat was Volcom's first team writer, possibly, and he ended up working for Ruka. And the point was is that I did my best to keep their designs like this. Yeah. Like if Volcom's like we're thinking about ordering green this year. I'd be all cool. If Ruka said, we're thinking green, I'm like, no, yeah, you know? And so I gave them, I tried to distinguish their stuff very differently. And it's the only way you could have that many clients and keep them all unique. And I ultimately got, uh, every brands from rusty to monster energy drink to, uh, a bunch of other brands. And that was the challenge was, Keeping them all fresh and unique.
1: Yeah. You were like uh like Ronald Reagan supplying uh guns and ammo's to, to both sides to of the, the Contras? war. <laughs> <laughs> I was. It, it,
2: it was it was it was a pretty good uh it was a pretty good gig, you know. Uh, one thing I didn't mention was, you know, Nike, that one that one hit like a firestorm, man. Uh I had just started Buell. And within weeks of kind of starting and getting Volcom as a client, I heard rumors about Nike's about to enter the surf market. And I had a friend who worked there named Zach Boone. Uh, Boone used to be at Surfline and a couple other brands, but he was at Nike at the time, and I called him, and I was like, what's going on? Are you guys entering into the surf? And they had this cool double-headed monster, and they were Nike 6.0. And I explained what I was doing and uh, he's like, that's crazy because we're looking to get custom wetsuits made. And I think they'd already gotten a couple customs made in Japan, but they were willing to listen to my pitch. And I basically, I I got um, in touch with the marketing manager at the time and uh, he assigned me to about five or six athletes right off the bat, which was, Carissa Moore, Michelle Perez, uh Julian Wilson, no, he's Monica Bernwicky. Yeah,
3: mm.
2: Julian had already gotten. No, Julian wasn't with them yet, Burn. or was he? Mm. Maybe he had Japanese suits at that point, uh, and Kolohe was about to come in, and his dad had connections to be wet. Mm. Right, Dino and Dino used to ride for Be Wet, so uh, there was all this competition uh, for the Nike account. And uh, the way it ended up working was uh, they kind of gave the athletes the choice. And so to get Carissa, who was like, I like these, and Michelle, and uh, ultimately monica at the time and i ended up making suits for nat young and a bunch of other athletes but in the beginning kind of those three made whatever choice uh that it was going to be a buell and i flew down to the u.s open um to go measure them out and make them custom wetsuits and uh and this is a brand that you know when i tried out for you know Uh, little league i i had to have nikes you know i mean this is a brand that i've seen in the sports world forever and all of a sudden they're jumping into the surf world and i i know a lot of people had uh reservations because again shit it wasn't genuine i mean they they weren't there from the beginning and i totally see that part but damn it i couldn't help myself man it's nike yeah yeah so you it's know, kind of a prestigious uh, thing
1: to say to be wet, making wetsuits for Nike,
2: right? Yeah. yeah, and ultimately, I mean, I made I made a 24-wetsuit quiver for Carissa Moore the year she won her first world title. And so, you know, first world champion I've ever worked with, and still to this day, I it's one of my biggest feathers. And to later work with Adriano DeSouza, another feather. When, when he won his world title. But, uh, yeah, to be working with those athletes and those brands, uh, to be given the opportunity to work with Bruce left, uh, when he left Body Glove. He when So, so uh, one of my favorite things about working with the brands was working on, you know, important projects. Uh, excuse me. Working with the athletes themselves and when Volcom uh, signed Bruce Bruce Irons uh, for wetsuits, it was a huge deal. He was on Body Glove before that. And to get Bruce Irons head to toe, I mean, he was Volcom's icon. I mean, uh, Bruce represented everything for Volcom. And to be given that opportunity... Uh, to make suits for him uh coming over was was really special to me and, and i worked really closely with you know volcom and bruce as far as what he envisioned his quiver of wetsuits to look like because i'm a wetsuit guy man you know picture your surfboard quiver you know yeah like mine you know you'll see my wetsuit quiver is just as big and uh you know i i treat wetsuit quivers just like most people do their surfboard quivers. There's a wetsuit for every condition. Yeah. And I think you look good, you feel good, you, <laughs> you perform good. good. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, literally, uh, uh, you know, Carissa Moore uh, actually gave me an incredible compliment when uh, one of the particular model suits I made her, she said, You know what? I, I feel sexy in this suit. <laughs> and I was like, That's a huge compliment. I was like, dude, that is an awesome compliment. And she was like, no, but I just, normally wetsuits, you'd never, you don't feel that way. Yeah. They're kind of blobby, and and I I, I feel great in this suit, and uh, those compliments just uh, are what kind of this whole thing's about, but um, you know, uh, back to Bruce, and, and being able to work with him, uh, and, you know, he showed up at Volcom, and they had A huge quiver of wetsuits for him to check out look at i mean if there's any ones he doesn't like he doesn't have to take them the ones he's like psyched on he's jumping in right away and uh kind of being a part of those you know projects uh at some point they asked me to make a a neoprene motorcycle jacket for aussie Rome. and i was like yes, I got this. And yeah. I was out looking for studs and things to like poke through the neoprene. And it was like a zip up jacket in the front. And like to try and capture these other brands vibe uh, was kind of important to me. And, you know, recognizing that each one of them had a different vibe, which also made me very different than mine. I'm loud. I'm proud. I'm bold. I'm an aqua jock. I'm as much jock as I am surfer. And, you know, my surf friends think I'm a jock. My jock friends think I'm a surfer. So, you know, I understand that like when I'm dealing with different people, Dane Reynolds, he does not like when I rap. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, you know, like, or, uh, he likes all black wetsuits. You know, if you're going to make Dane Reynolds a wetsuit, he's going to have an all black wetsuit and and the logos are going to be fairly muted, yeah. right? If you're going to make a wetsuit for Barney, the thing's going to have spider webs and all sorts of crazy <laughs> things. If you're going to make a suit for Jamie O'Brien, the thing's loud camo, you know? So being able to understand the athlete and the brand kind of is at the forefront of kind of what shaped where we are today and like... You know, at some point, selling my own brand out of the garage became the story and yeah. the brand. My brand became kind of more important than making it for other brands. At some point, I realized I'm giving Buell to yeah, Volcom. Yeah. So Look at what Volcom what, – did you hear? Volcom was trying to launch wetsuits, but then they sputtered and did or they didn't.
0: Yeah. What about designing for that women, like a Carissa versus like a Bruce? Like, how's that balance? And are women's part of design?
2: Well, women's shapes are very different. That's what I mean. The patterns, the shapes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Women's, women's wetsuits can be, they're just, they're, uh, there's more size variance in uh, women's bodies. They have curves Mm -hmm. and uh, men are fairly flat. So, men are fairly easy to fit yeah uh and and we're fairly predictable uh we we never change sizes so whatever size you were when you were in high school (laughs) like even though you gain 20 or 30 pounds everybody's like i'm i'm a medium yeah men refuse to ever change their size i got friends who are like Two hundred plus pounds tell me they're mediums. And I'm like you can just put that M in there to tell yeah. I mean everyone's a medium. They're, I'm a medium. I'm like, no, you're not. no you're not. I'm an extra
1: uh, large medium, please.
2: Did you have anybody any guy that said, Hey, make
0: me a sexy suit? <laughs> hey, um
2: No, but we should.
0: Yeah. Hey, Buell,
1: who Came up with the idea of approaching the different brands making their suits. Was that your idea from the get-go?
2: Yeah, well, it was. It was only me. Okay. Uh, when I left Hotline, I just started that thing out of my garage, and and I was just making decisions on the fly and without much in the way of resources. You know, no, no real line of credit. No terms with the factories. Uh, I had to be on top of everything because, you know, Oakley might place an order for $15,000 worth of wetsuits, but there might be $6,000 worth of raw materials. I got to buy nine days before uh, we're able to ship it out. So, you know, running a small business on your own presented a lot of issues. And at some point, I took like, Orders from every brand, and I was like doing backflips and 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 cartwheels throughout my garage until I realized how the fuck am I going to pay for this <laughs> on the front end? You know, I got to get the wheels moving now.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: and these guys aren't going to be ready to pay till June, and they always pay. They want them, and I'm going to make money off of it. But I got to fret this thing. Well, how am I going to do this? Yeah. So. Uh you know, it it, it was not easy uh, at all. And I can I can I can tell anybody who's thinking about starting your own business, do it. But it's it's not gonna be easy and and you better have plan A and plan B because when the shit hit I, I was rolling tight. I was I had Folcum Nike Ruka Rusty Reef Bruce Irons wearing my stuff. They called me up for Hunger Games, they Wanted me to fly down and personally measure Jennifer Lawrence. It's huge. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. And then <laughs> I got a dude. Okay, but remember what I just told you before: no line of credit, no terms with the factories, no terms with my um, raw material uh, vendors, and no be no Plan B.
3: Yeah.
2: No plan B, but and that, the first, okay. the first uh, hiccup I had, I was like, "Shit, what am I going to do now?" And those hiccups can be anything. You could get the wrong neoprene arrives at the factory; it's supposed to be used for three months, uh, but it's the wrong neoprene. You can't make wetsuits out of it. You got to return it. But that shit went by sea and was custom made, oh. and you can't get it. Back, you can't get a new batch to the factory for another three months. What the hell are you going to do for three months? Wow. So, you know, there's all these things that just, uh, you know, running a small business uh, was 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 difficult. And at the same time, you know, I had commitments to these brands. They dedicated their, uh, their budget to me. And I had to find a way to, like, deliver for them without – really losing uh, confidence or ha- without them losing confidence yeah. that I'm going to be able to, to deliver. But at some point you got to be realistic and be off. Damn. I got to call those guys and be like, uh, there's, there's a six month lead time this time. I know it sucks, but you yeah. can't do anything about it. So, uh,
1: well, those, those, uh, problems and trials and tribulations really, hone your skills of being a businessman, right? And making making uh, the right the right decisions and, uh, and preparing you for the next problem, right?
3: No hair, really. It's just
1: <laughs> I must not have that many problems, right?
0: <laughs>
1: hey, what kind of diet is that? Yeah. Is that
0: the Atkins? Is that is, is, is that is that the 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 Palm Beach diet? No. No, it's production diet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Buell. So yeah, I guess you you've worked with uh, tons and tons of superstars in our industry, and and uh, before we ain't done yet. Yeah, you ain't done yet. I know that, but but it's kind of crazy though, right? You're like, damn, man. You know, you you have the Buell thing smaller in the background running, right? And then you have guys like Bruce, you have Carissa, you have Michelle Perez, all these guys that are really wearing Buell wetsuits, right? That must have kind of drove you crazy a little bit. Like, damn, I could be, you know, that should be my name, you know, instead of Nike. That should be my name instead of Volcom. That should be my name instead of, you know, Ruka,
2: right? (laughs) Yeah, I, I think in the, in the very beginning, though, uh, you needed those brands. I didn't totally see the Buell. I didn't see where we were going today as far as the Buell brand being the driving force. I, at the time, I kind of, I saw myself as being this eclectic designer that had these skills I wanted to give to all the brands I thought were rad in the industry. Yeah. You know, and like, I know, you know, I thought Ruka was as rad as as Volcom, and I thought Fox was awesome. And uh, I knew none of those companies had the desire to put together a wetsuit department. Yeah, uh, but I could provide that and be that for all of them, and I did take pride in that. So I didn't necessarily. I saw the Buell thing almost as like a underground black market side gig that kind of, you know got me more street cred, but yeah. I never envisioned this thing being on a TV show uh, that's watched millions of times twice Dude, a week. No right? Jamie O'Brien. I mean
1: so so you, you mentioned at the beginning you made a list of a hundred accounts and you called it the B P R C Yeah. What did that stand for?
2: I, I, I was trying to think the same thing right now. I think it was the brand brand projected rating chart, and it was my own. It was my own chart of who I thought probably had the most budget, and it started with Volcom, and it it rolled right through all those brands that um, I discussed, and uh, I think at some point I really. I was collecting them um, like baseball cards. Wow, which yeah. I also did as a kid, and like having a Ricky Henderson baseball card was 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 huge. And so was making wetsuits for Ruka.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Or when Monster called me and I'm all, you guys know who Monster Energy Drink is, right? <laughs> and like I would tell my friends, they're all, you got Monster now too, and I'm all, I got Monster. That's awesome. So. I, I think part of that was you know coming from you know a desire to help these brands that I really liked out, but also because I, I really I took pride in it and it was a little bit like uh, collecting, I don't know, collecting uh, not admiration, but collecting uh, respect from the industry to some extent that I made the right decision, leaving a job that I'd been at for 11 years. And most of my friends thought, you know, production manager at hotline was the bee's knees. Why would you ever leave that? And I was yeah. like, cause I'm destined for more. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of basking in, uh, the brand's glory right now because, whoops, hold on. I'm here. Yep. I'm kind of, you know, Basking in the brand's glory because uh, it's it's already gotten bigger than I ever really thought it would be, and uh, man, I tell you, like to be working with Jamie O'Brien uh, blows me away, and um, you know that that connection I talked about with Barney and all these connections with these athletes that I've had over the years, in some cosmic way. Whoo, I believe all that stuff was 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 meant for my my new views. Yeah. My J O B.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. And I mean, with my lifeguarding background and the fact that when we signed okay, when Jamie O'Brien called us and said, I want to try your suits out, and we said, Is there more than that? Would you maybe want to ride for us? He said, I don't know. What why? What do you got in mind? And me and Matt Rockhold said, how about we fly out there and uh, see if we're a match? <laughs> so he, he just wanted to try him out, like say, "Hey, I'm, I'm, my contract for body gloves done, or yes. I just want to try something out." He just wanted to try him out, but my answer was, "How about if we fly out there and deliver him to you and see if there's any connection?" So we flew out there. He took us fishing. We hung out. He had us at hello, <laughs> and we realized we realized like he's bright, he's bold. He's colorful. He's a hard charger. He's well-respected. He's a surfer 2.0. He's got his own TV show. You sign this guy, you also, your product placement is on a show with a million plus YouTube followers. Uh, You you do, I'm like, this is a no-brainer. And he's such an icon and Pipeline's not going anywhere and he lives there. Let's sign him for life. Wow. uh we, we we signed Jamie O'Brien to what's effectively a lifetime deal we signed him for five years and we gave him part ownership in the brand so he's an owner he acts as an owner uh, he advises us on moves and different things and yeah pick up that guy yeah that guy's rad no whatever you know we we yeah. we uh, respect he's his opinion, man. and he's all in. And what he's yeah. done for the brand, dude, he's taken in in nine years out of my garage. Basically, it you know it it's been the steam. I want to say the the engine's been going like this, chug, 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 chew, chew. and then we <laughs> put Jamie O'Brien jumped on board, and it's all <laughs> and. He's like, climb on. It's Are a bullet chain now, right? And we weren't, dude. We weren't ready. Did you, what do you think our sales did day one when we announced it? Day one. Skyrocketing. You know, sometimes people say, you can't tell what an athlete does for your brand. You know how, like, it's hard to market, you know, put a direct dollar amount yeah. to uh, an athlete? I can tell you firsthand. Jamie O'Brien is worth fucking gold, and I owe him. I mean, the brand, he has introduced this. There's kids in Australia flipping out over Buell, and even they find me, and they're all, that's the guy that did the the Jamie O'Brien rap song. And they're introduced by Jamie. They're introduced... Uh, to this by Jamie and then they come check out he've got going and they're all whoa these guys are crazy. Yeah. And these guys are flying in the face of the industry. That that uh founder don't give a what. He's rapping. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, I, I, and they all surf. Yeah.
0: And I, I love the fact that he you know bought in or partnered up with you because I mean I feel like more 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 surfers need to take that initiative and, and be a uh, Part of something bigger, but also a legacy after they're done surfing. Because your surf career is only so short, you know. And yeah. to be able to be passionate about something and have something maybe long term is huge.
1: Set Good yourself for up the for videos. the future after surfing.
2: So, is that the next? Is that the next genuine way to involve athletes? Yeah, for sure. Because it, it certainly it certainly is a platform that. Um, i know the surfers would love because you yeah. know quite 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 often uh you know a brand rides the cool of the of the surfer because those cool, those surfers are cool
1: yeah you know
2: they ride that coolness and then at some point budget talks louder than whatever um, uh priority they've given him in the past and then they they, they cut them yeah. and they, a lot of those people, they leave, you know. I mean, when you give something to a brand, I think there's just a much better way to do it. Why can't they transition into being an ambassador? Why do the stickers come ripping off the board and they're like, this sucks. Like, yeah. So we try and do things a different way. and um, And I've always thought about different contracts and things. And like, you know, now... You know, there's a lot of people available right now. Yeah, for sure. Right, lots, and lots. Uh, hold on, we couldn't get any of them at going market rate. But <laughs> I mean, if we put together a package that made them part of it, and you know, if we put together packages that were similar to Jamie's, let's say, uh, would it be out of would it be out of line if I if I said we were going to sign John John Florence? Hell no, it wouldn't be out sure. of line. Anybody see Kelly Slater wearing Buell's down at Trestles? I see him yeah. all the time, bro. What's up with that? Any, I don't know. Anybody seen the best free surfer in the world running around Ventura in a dark Buell? I don't know. I mean, bro. Uh, so, you know, where let's, is it uh, going?
1: Let's let's put the uh, the Buell thing on on back burner right now. Let's go back to surfing real quick. Okay. Okay. Because we, we definitely want to talk about Dane. We definitely want to talk about Kelly. We definitely want to talk more about Jamie and Buell and Buell's future. But um, let's talk about surfing. I know you mentioned you had a surf trip that you wanted to talk about.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I did mention that. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, when, when, when you do podcasts, I, I've, done, I've done a bunch of different podcasts, and I've been on both sides of them, and, uh, you know, uh, announcing and emceeing a lot of the WSL events over the years, um, I, I kind of know what questions are coming, and I, I was kind of prepared for, have you been on a surf trip? And if so, are there any good stories? I was just preparing for that. And, yeah, I've had a story that I've held on to for a, a few years. Um, but I I, I got to let it out. <laughs> Let's hear I it. I can't help it. Uh, one of my favorite places to go is Mexico. Man, Mexico. My mom Mexico. lives down in Cabo. And we go down there all the time. Um This one particular trip, all the stars aligned and uh, got some time off to go down on a trip with uh, my right-hand man, Matt Rockhold, who's a former uh, air show runner-up and quite keen surfer himself, good friend of mine. Um, Me and Matt Rockhold, we're going to go down to Cabo and catch some waves, and our good friend Adam Veers from Ventura – was going to join us really tight with veers. Um, another one of our, our good friends, Aaron LeBlanc, and my good friend Kyle Murphy were going to join us. And all of a sudden, Matt Rockhold's brother, UFC middleweight champion, Luke Rockhold, says, I'm not missing out on the fun. I'm joining too. So what started out is just a couple people turned into like a, a six-pack and uh, we were running wild throughout Cabo. We'd wake up early, go surf up in that um, East Cape area. Uh, personally, love me some shipwrecks, man. Um, warm water, tacos for lunch, midday beers. Um, and we had one. We had one of those just epic days, all day surfing had our buddy Garen Mile uh, down there filming and taking photos uh, of basically documenting everything, even the stuff we didn't want him to. Uh, and uh, the end of that day, we were, inc- I was incredibly tired, sunburnt, spent, but Luke Rockwell wanted to roam around the town and hit up all the classics from Cabo Wabo to Squid Row to whatever. He wanted to hit up the town, and we were like, who are we to not ride his 30-year-old stallion UFC champion uh, tails? You know? And, like, right, good, good, call. Good, good call. Dude, rolling around with Luke Rockhold is, like, it's, it's I got to say, from an older dude to, I remember when I was 30 or 32. And you had the world by the balls. And, like, and he can have anything he wants. Women are just flocking on him. And hes he's got this Greek Adonis body. And he's getting into modeling. And, uh, and I'll be damned if he doesn't... First of all, he skates better than anybody I just mentioned. Wow! And he serves pretty damn good, too. And he's 6'3", 220 pounds when he's walking around. So to see a dude that big be able to do those things is pretty crazy. But... Uh, Going out on the town with them is even crazier, <laughs> and uh, and I'll make it, I'll, I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. But uh, the night when we walked into this one club, up on this oversized, massive screen was UFC knockout of the year, and it just so happened to show Luke knocking some dude out. And the security guy looks at Luke and looks at the screen, and next thing you know. We're whizzed off into this VIP area. <laughs> and now we're in this VIP area, we got all this free booze. And next thing you know, uh a guy comes up to us and I'm like, that guy looks really familiar. And <laughs> it's Oscar De La Hoya. No way. Golden go boy. boy. It's the old uh, Golden go go Boy. It's it's the old champ himself. De La Hoya is one of my favorite boxers growing up. And was one of Luke's favorite boxers growing up. And next thing you know, him and Luke are fake squaring off and they're kind of like fake boxing a little bit. And then Luke actually decides he's going to give him the finger and uh, he decides he's going to give him the finger and De La Hoya in classic fashion, instead of getting bummed, he does some weird sign. And next thing you know, we're we're partying down with De La Hoya, and wow. we're taking shots with De La Hoya, and then Luke tells De La Hoya, he's all, "My buddy Buell does uh, Muay Thai. Show him some of your moves, Buell." And I think he's <laughs> kind of, he's kind of poking fun at me, but he knows I like to box and do kickbox. I've I've been traveling to Thailand and doing Muay Thai for years, and he knows I I would get a kick out of it. So next thing you know, I'm. Uh, shadow boxing with De La Hoya. What the and, hell? Um, it's, it's so incredible. And he's Cabo, it too. Had this great day, scored waves. Now we're partying with De La Hoya. And, uh, and then De La Hoya is like, he, he tells me and my friend Pep, who Pep was the only one who I, I'd say surfed as long as I did and was as sunburned and <laughs> scorched as I was. De La Hoya grabs us both, and he's like, you two, come on, come on we're going to my VIP it's up on the second, second floor, second deck. And I was like, all right, uh, let's go up there. And, uh, he's like, oh, wait you see. I got everything, anything you want. He starts telling us all the stuff he's got up there. We're like, "Uh Oh, it sounds like a lot of trouble. But, uh, we get up, we get up there. And at first it's just me and my buddy and De La Hoya. And, um, Right now, I'm thinking about my buddy who said, "Don't ever tell that story, ever, dude. Never, never tell that story." And here I am, just spilling it. Okay, so he's we're both we're both we're both standing there uh, talking smack with De La Hoya, and he's actually. I'll surfer guys. I respect you guys, and we start making plans to go surf the next morning with De La Hoya. He wants us to teach him how to surf i'm like oh my god this is getting heavy uh luckily right around then a bunch of more people came into his vip area and it started getting so crowded we couldn't get out and we're on the second we're on the second story of this huge dance club right below us is the dance floor and some glass tables with drinks all over them and people everywhere and we keep getting pushed it's so crowded we keep getting pushed further and further towards the railing, and I was feeling uncomfortable, and I looked over at my buddy, and he decided it was a good time to take a nap. He just decided he was so tired, he's going to go to sleep standing up, and then he woke up leaning backwards, and he took like three steps, hit the railing that was just under his butt cheeks, like it was way too low of a railing, and he did a laid out backflip out of Oscar de la Hoya's VIP section. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking he's going to the hospital for sure right Dead. now. And I look over the railing, and I'll be damned if, like a cat, he doesn't somehow land on his damn feet. Shut
1: the fuck up.
2: And dude, because it was so crowded, it's like he, he landed on his feet and then he pinballed off a bunch of people. And he was just left. He was just left standing in the middle of the dance floor. And it took me like five minutes to get down there. And when I finally got to him, he was like in a daze, and he had he didn't have any idea how he got down on the dance floor. And I'm like, dude, you should be in the parkour hall of fame. You could actually star as Spider Man in the next Spider Man movie. What you just did right there was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And you didn't bust it on
1: camera. You didn't get the video tape?
2: Dude, we tried to get the CCTV footage from the bar, but we couldn't figure out how to do it. But somewhere, there's CCTV footage of my buddy doing a a falling asleep backflip out of Oscar De La Hoya's VIP section in Cabo during a surf trip that was just epic
1: that is amazing
2: that is out of freaking control how do you not die in a place like that I don't know he definitely used up one of those nine lives if he had them yeah. <laughs> but
1: sounds like me kinda I've, I've used a lot of living, my lives
0: <laughs> we've, been, we've been down to Cabo a couple times this guy passed out for sure
2: <laughs> yeah. nothing like that though. he's still here though Mm-hmm. not the best place to be passing
1: out yeah okay so that was a great story Buell so let's go back to Buell wetsuits he signed one of
2: the yeah. biggest Hey, do you guys do you guys use photos do, for the, do you guys use yes. photos because I got photos from some of these stories that oh, I had yeah, yeah.
1: to them. well I'm gonna I'll text okay, you going. yeah we definitely want uh, video clips and photos and I'll I'll promote this for the next week you know when we when we launched your, yeah, yeah. your episode we 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 promote it every day for a week so anyways um let's talk about uh your wetsuit company buell right you, you you mentioned uh you signed and made jamie o'brien part owner um we've seen kelly slater wearing the suits uh we know dane reynolds is wearing the suits what else uh like what What's well, the relationship? Dane, Dane,
2: Dane wears whatever he wants. Okay, because that's what's so awesome about Dane. Uh, he he he. Money doesn't uh, influence him. He wears whatever he wants, and um, he's got a couple of jewels in the rotation, and we're, we couldn't be prouder.
1: Yeah. So is he officially on the team or just kind of like float?
2: No. If he was officially on the team, there'd be like. Uh, It'd be like this a would be another life celebration. Yeah. I think, you know, Dane, Dane would be a huge, Dane is is one of a handful of huge names that go along with Janie, Kelly, John John, Dane. Uh, dude, there's not many more names you can really include in that yeah. realm. And I'm I'm talking uh, surfers 2.0 and what i mean by that is it's not it's not enough to just surf anymore you you have to have your own marketing program around you and jamie's the epitome of that and dane was the originator you know dane's marine layer productions it was ahead of its time if you know jamie's making hundreds of thousands of dollars on youtube Doing what Dane was doing just a few years early, albeit way sure. different. Yeah, way different. Yeah, but, but getting your self promotion, your self marketing. But yeah, like, it, and even when we're analyzing, like our team riders, you know, there's a new theory to it, you know, and like, you guys checking Jacob Zekley right now? Yeah, you seen some of the things he's been doing?
1: Yeah, he just got that. So clip Jacob Zekley's
2: one of our riders. Uh, from La Jolla and I've been feeling he's hot for a while like so hot and uh, he's he's passionate he's driven he's got a uh, a group of friends and filmers around him all the time he's being mentored by uh, Josh Kerr and the Kerr family and I'll be damned if the last three airs I've seen him do out of Waco weren't mind-blowing pioneering Superman finger flip a Superman air reverse and a Superman sex change body variant <laughs> all three firsts and uh, I, I'm like this kid is is gold yeah and it's so right that now. again okay, there is. you got to have all of that you, you know? see that Lennon? yeah Heavy.
1: Heavy. Heavy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so
2: crazy. And you compare that like, hey, l- love me some Rat Boy. Right? Wow. Rat Boy is an aerial icon. But, you know, he's, he's he's driving his truck around and he's fishing and he's he's hiding. You know, he's somebody we have on the team because he's an icon. Yeah. But uh, if you want stuff of – if you want stuff a rat, you, you know, you're going to have to coordinate it and you're going to have to – put it in front of them and it's a little harder that way.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, and there's people like Jamie, uh, Dane, Dane, how about Dane edited his own, uh, movie chapter 11, uh, that got movie, uh, movie of the year. So having that ability to, um, kind of help create your own, uh, image and push out that image, I think is what being a, a, 2020 professional surfers all about especially without the contests and what's going on right now yeah do you see any of my 90s
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wore all kinds of like color super colorful I I worked
2: I worked it well you knew you knew you had to draw some attention were you with you were with a bunch of different wetsuit brands yeah Japanese I wrote for a Japanese company
0: called Quiver and and they they were a big Japanese brand but they did all the custom suits and they had every color in the book and it was just awesome to be able to like customize suits back in the day versus a traditional company so it was fun I remember
2: some why do I, I remember you wearing some suits that had white in it maybe yeah, yeah. Alita also um, which was Kind of like a, you know,
0: like the local like suit company down here, and they they made all kinds of custom suits
2: too. But uh, did you ever wear a knee brace? I did, yeah. I don't know why I picture you in a knee brace. I don't know why you. I, you you I, don't I, have knee problems anymore. No, no, just back, just a back.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but, those but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just being able to like, get those those customized like colors and stuff and. I mean I'm sure you you give your athletes and everybody like here's here's the book, like let's let's pull whatever you want. You got obviously Dana just wants all black, you got Jamie that wants camo, you got like all these people like with different tastes, you know. So I mean how, how hard is it to buy materials for those like specific athletes and you know, you're only buying a little pink or a little orange or a little green. Is it difficult?
2: Well, it was. It yeah. was very difficult, but we've, you know, as you grow, you got to streamline stuff. And so now, you know, basically, if you want to be wild, we want you to jump on Jamie O'Brien's uh, camouflage because, yeah. you know, everything's got to be taken to scale, and it's not an easy thing to keep those those quality control things that I was talking about. How deep I am into the design. I'm still there. I'm still reading every email and communication and making sure that they do everything right. If they don't, I jump in and just, I know some people can think I'm hard to work with because I'm, I'm uh, a perfectionist and I'll tell somebody that that logo is like three centimeters off. There's no way we're running that. It needs to be moved over to the right. And And for instance, with uh, surfboards, for instance, a good clean rail logo looks awesome. Move it three inches in towards the middle of the board, it looks like shit. So, like, uh, I don't settle for stuff I don't want. And if I have to, I'll go straight to the factory to make sure that it's done my way. And uh, how do you keep that same hands-on experience and control when you're not making a 100 suits a a kick every time now you're making you know 10,000 or a thousand and there's all sorts of models and colorways and and you're you're juggling a lot of stuff with a big factory yeah that's the entire goal is how do you keep all that stuff while you grow
0: and well I, i love the fact that you put a lot of emphasis on the youth and the kid's suit and that bone's like layout looks so amazing. And I mean, it's fun. The kids are like obviously eating it up as kids' sales going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: so I hate no. And I also know that I'm on to something when certain people tell me, you can't do that. Don't do that. That's not going to work. I know I'm on to something. There's especially certain people that when they doubt what I'm up to, I know I'm on to something. And that includes eyeballs on the booties and bones on the wetsuits, right? And uh, I started out, we kind of had a little dip for like six or eight months. And when we came back strong, I wanted... I wanted there to be a message to the whole industry, we're back. So I designed the Rubber Bones wetsuit as a statement piece for our team riders. It was one and done. One run, give every team rider a fuel bone suit, draw some attention, then we'll go back to our normal stuff. Yeah. But it became so popular, it was such a demand that we ended up making a black-on-black version for sale, and then we just couldn't stop people, so we we made it in kids black and white and all these things. And again, that was one of those things that nearly everyone told me not to do it and that it wouldn't work. And, um, I kind of chuckle yeah. those moments. Haters.
0: Hold you back, man.
2: So, so, so do you have, well, that a... kind of brings me a little bit to the Jamie O'Brien connection and how, uh, what I was saying, uh, before all those workings with, Carissa Moore and Barney and Flea and Bruce Irons and Adriano De Souza uh, all those you know dealings with all those athletes has seemingly led to this pinnacle where we just signed Jamie O'Brien and what's the first thing I'm going to do well I'm going to help him build a quiver because just because we've agreed to terms and he's going to sign the deal now I want to get him dialed in So now let's talk wetsuit quivers. And we talked about everything from tell me where you surf every day, pipe. What do you wear? Long sleeve spring. What else? Long sleeve spring. Where else do you surf? And, you know, we started talking about, you know, where do you travel? Where are you going to travel? Are you going any cold places? And we start to build this quiver that basically has a little bit of everything, even hooded five fours, gloves and boots for when he goes to Japan because he loves it. But the main suit—probably eighty percent of his surfs are at Pipeline. Yeah, made his he, he made his career at Pipe. His dad lifeguarded Pipe. His house is at Pipe. He's won Pipe thrice. He's Wave of the Winter at Pipe. He derives his power and energy like he man from pipe yeah everything's about pipe and he says he likes to wear a long sleeve spring because first of all the flow to the wetsuit will bring you to the top and he's been on a lot of rescues and incidents is helping friends and he's never pulled anyone off the bottom that was wearing a wetsuit they're always wearing trunks and uh just the added float of a wetsuit gives him confidence that he can surf a little stronger out there, huh. so I was like, "That's rad." So we made him six or eight different colorways of long sleeve springs. So he's fresh every day. He's got something else, and I was like, "What else?" And he's like, "Well, this Patagonia, and I got a Patagonia and a Billabong like those life suits that are like the abominable snowman, and they have the the big scoop neck, and they have a tank top." arms and water gets in here and there's a zipper and like if you wipe out you skip because there's too much foam and like yeah it'll bring you up if you're at jaws and you really need it but can we make like a competition version made specifically for pipe (laughs) and can we do it like he's all everyone wears those underneath something and then because Usually there's only a couple brands that were making them. So they own brands wetsuit over the top of it. And then you got those paddings and there's space between the paddings. So the neoprene would create this, it doesn't articulate down and up. It creates this huge air gap that fills with warm air, makes you overheat, you can't perform, you look like an abominable snowman. You only wear that suit in oh shit conditions. That suit has its place. If you're surfing Jaws, wear that suit. In fact, double up and wear the uh, the blow-up quicksilver one where it's CO2 charged and you need to get up. Yeah. But that's not that might be Jamie when he does the Eddie. Who knows? But Jamie's home court is pipeline. He doesn't want anything holding back his performance. He doesn't want to get into a situation because he can't get down into that crazy three-point uh, stance he it. backside he gets into. You know, if yeah. you're in too big of a bulky weird suit or doubling up, you, your performance actually puts you in positions where you need that product yeah. now.
3: For sure. And, like,
2: we wanted, he basically described a competition version with as little or as much padding that didn't mess with his performance at all. He said, I want to put on the suit and keep my eyes closed and not feel there's any padding. So then we went into where do you want the padding? Where do you see the padding? What shapes do you see the padding? Here's three different thicknesses of the padding. Uh, Now what color do you like? I like camo. And boom, I designed something. And he really wanted it, you know, it's streamlined and integrated. And by having the padding spread throughout the suit you float in a different manner you don't float uh you know picture a life vest yeah all that floats in one area and it chokes you you can't swim by spreading it throughout the suit you can lay in the water like superman and so for swimming it is incredible and the first sample we made i pulled strings Called everybody at the factory I could. Talked to the owner. Had to tell him names and things and like, I'm dual. you know I got good ideas. You gotta make this ASAP for me. And they're like, oh yeah, uh, 90 days or something. I'm like, no! 12 days! No! I'll come there. I'll come there and make it my damn self. And 12 days later it arrived to Jamie's house in Hawaii and he got the box the same time he's, he was vlogging because he vlogs everything.
3: Yeah,
2: everything is. Is vlogging. He's he's everything he's doing. He's vlogging. So he gets the package. He's vlogging. He opens the package. Oh my god! It's the new Buell float suit. This is so sick. Me and Buell designed the suit together. Don't forget my lifeguard background, which makes this story that much more incredible oh, for you. me. Yeah, he yeah. goes out and he uses it first. Damn time, and this is now. He's my golden egg. <laughs> he's my golden egg, dude. This is the most important person of my. No, maybe not. Uh, he's a very important person in my life right now. He he holds the keys to whether the brand's going to be a California core wetsuit company or the next international juggernaut.
1: Well, let's and, let's talk about that. You you have um well, you have reps up and down the coast, right? Well, wait.
2: The first, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to say is, first time he uses the suit, he paddles out to pipe. It's all being vlogged, and he takes off on a normal six to eight foot wave, which he would not normally wear this suit in. But he wants to try it out, and he gets knocked out. He either hits his head on his board, the reef, maybe even a photographer's water housing. But he has no recollection of it. He's he is. GoProing the whole thing, he gets knocked out. He's on the bottom. He clearly comes up to the top. He's knocked out for 37 seconds, and he comes back to with the best advertisement you could ever get for a float suit. You're kidding he, and me! He says this suit just saved my life. No way, wow. that didn't happen. Yeah, wow, it totally happened.
1: Just you know what? I, you know, I saw that, it and then they showed him going Anybody to the hospital, right? Just,
2: just yes. He basically gives this testimonial about how uh, me and Buell just developed this suit together. I wasn't even going to wear it today because it's not that big, but I was so stoked on trying it out. I wore it, and I'll oh, be damned. This thing saved my life. That is oh, amazing. And, like, smoke. That is his go-to suit. He wears it all day, every day, whether he's surfing on a ladder, surfing a kayak, uh Towing in on a couch. <laughs> that's his suit now. And uh, super excited to bring that same suit to kids. We just launched that suit in all kids' sizes. And as a parent myself, why not have yeah. your kid floating around a little safer?
1: Yeah, that's right? amazing.
0: I mean, how those align ally- those stars align and everything that came to that pinnacle of you rushing 12 days with the factory to get it to him how psyched he was on this vlog he gets knocked out like you can't
2: script that any better we were in australia uh with jabs and andre for the opener of the quickie pro right and we were we were hanging out with like kalani david who was there at the air show and we all went out to dinner and our waiters all, you guys are the Buell guys. And we're like, yeah, yeah. And then they always brag for me. That's Buell himself right there. And the guy's like, no way. And he's like, how proud of you that your wetsuit saved Jamie O'Brien's life today. And I was like, what? Wow. He's you like, didn't, you didn't your wetsuit know. saved Jamie O'Brien's life today. It's on his vlog. And I was like, what? You didn't even know. No, we didn't. We were in Australia. And wow, uh, just to just to make sure our boy was uh, uh, doing good because he did get a concussion and he had a huge gaffe. Uh, Well, that, we love Hawaii. We flew on our way home. We flew from Australia, stopped by, interviewed him a little bit about the wetsuit, and talked to him about kind of, you know, what it was that that made the wetsuit good and and can we make it any better. And like, uh, it was, it was a cool way to finish that trip and kind of, just make sure our best investment yeah. is all right because what if Jamie O'Brien didn't come up yeah Crazy. so
1: so Buell I worked at Huntington Surf and sport for 12 years right and I know how hard the uh, wetsuit game is right and for the longest time you know there's a couple players back in the day it was quicks or not quicks over O'Neill uh, back then, there was Victory, Alida, but really it was O'Neill and Rip Curl, right? That were really the only suits that people wanted to buy. Like they they were dominant in, Most in of the their West
2: the game. Clothing brands,
1: yeah. And then and then Quicksilver came on, Billabong came on, Excels come on. Like this is a a cool thing to say about your brand. Like you've come at it. In a different way, you know what I mean? Like you're making your way into the wetsuit game, totally different, and that it's not it's not a bad thing, but it's an amazing thing because you're you're doing it through. Uh, first, you did it through making wetsuits for other brands, and then you're having superstars, you know, promote Buell and give their stamp of approval, right? So, are you seeing like you're talking before? the ROI of of your Jamie O'Brien, your Kelly Slater, you know what I mean? Like, are you you starting to open up more doors across the country, across the world?
2: Yeah. I mean, what a few years ago, you know, might have been, you know, a hard sell for somebody walking into a surf shop and saying, have you guys heard of Buell? You know, this – this guy's been in the industry forever. He makes great wetsuits. They're loud and proud. He used to make Barney suits. They're, they're pretty awesome. Uh, you, you know, it's an easy answer to say we don't have enough room. We're saturated. We have enough wetsuits as is. We already pre-booked. There's all these excuses. And uh, we've always made good wetsuits, but it's it's the, the buzz. And Jamie O'Brien has introduced us. To so many people that now they're going into the store saying, why don't you have Buell? I yeah. want Buell. I need a Buell. My beach, my waves, my Buell! <laughs> and, dude, uh, we have shops calling us. Yeah. We've opened up, um, well, we opened up, you know, HSS before um, recently. We opened up Jack's Nine Shops. We opened up In-Flight Surf Ride, um, all the brand, all the shops I've always wanted to be in, NorCal Surf Shop, Proof Lab. Yeah. Uh, there, there's so many iconic California CCS. We kill it. They sold 28 suits one day when I was down there. And I was, I mean, just blown away. And, yeah. uh, you know, when I was a Grom in Hermosa Beach, I used to go to ET Surf Shop. Uh, and look at their surfboards, and I bought my first skateboard there, and we just sent a massive order down to e t surf shop like three weeks ago. And to think that my suits are now in e t surf shop where I used to shop as a kid,
3: yeah,
2: blows me away. But my childhood best friend from that that still lives in that area wandered into e t and came across the Buell suits there. And bought uh, one for him and his son. Sent me a, this text and like I, I'm like again, those things just make all these long hours and and you know all the dedication I put towards this like that much more rewarding. And yeah. the doors that are opening right now are are just really cool. And I I think it's a, probably a pretty good time to be a Buell sales rep right now.
0: No uh, kidding, dude. Uh, what? Question on, on, like, specialty suits. So you guys also make rescue suits, right, for the lifeguards or for the, the, the lifeguards in Santa Cruz and cold cold climates? Yep.
2: yep. Uh, and all that that just really started out by just like, oh, it's another private label brand. Uh, yeah. the lifeguards need a professional-looking outfit. You know, they wear things with patches. They show up on site. Everybody can recognize them as lifeguards. I feel like when they're making rescues, they should be wearing a red suit that identifies yep. them as a lifeguard, that their victims feel um, safer knowing that it's a professional. I know from being on um, uh, ocean rescue teams all throughout the past that every year it, it can be different, and a lot of times the lifeguard agency gives you a couple bucks and lets you buy your own wetsuit, and you use it once for training and you use it 180 times to surf in. And that suit, the, the city that actually paid for that suit didn't get any real use out of it. Yeah. You make them buy You buy the wetsuits for you leave them in the department, uh, they actually last for probably five, six years because you, know, you use them 12, 15 times a year for training and rescues and whatever. So yeah. uh, I think it's a good program. And then with what's recently happened with Jamie, Um, you know, we instantly made that suit in lifeguard red. And if you can imagine being a lifeguard in serious conditions, uh, which, you know, I'm just thinking right now real quick, uh, much love to Ben Carlson, the Newport beach lifeguard that uh, one of the few guys that passed away doing, you know, saving someone's life, which I know the um, reunion, of his passings coming up. So I wanted to mention okay. him. You knew for a point, right? He passed. That's yeah. where
1: he, I think it was last week. Legendary
2: waterman, but
1: I think it was last weekend but
2: as a lifeguard. Is it? so as a lifeguard, you, oftentimes you swim out with float and you hand your victim, your flotation. And then you have to spend your energy egg beating like a water polo player and trying to stay calm and talk to the victim.
3: Yeah.
2: Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? Don't worry about it. My name's Ryan. I'm a lifeguard. We got this. I'm going to I'm going to come around you and clip you in. I'm going to swim you in. We got this. If you want to help, go ahead. Otherwise, just relax and enjoy the ride. You know, with this float suit, you hand them your, you know, tube and you can now focus more on you know, go swimming them in, getting yeah. them in fast. Uh, and if you can imagine making a rescue without a rescue tube, without the float suit, it would be. It's 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 much easier to carry two people's weight with yeah. a little bit of float. So that's genius. I'm really excited to introduce this uh, awesome. float suit technology to lifeguards. Yeah, and nobody well, else
0: is doing it really. So we've got a corner of the market, which is awesome.
1: We, we know some people and, at uh, Huntington Beach, uh, Huntington Beach lifeguards.
2: We can introduce you too. Let's get them in it. Yeah. Uh, so it, we've got, it, the crazy part about this float suit are all the different uses we're finding for it. So, for instance, um, you know, we've got a lifeguard uh, that's actually one of the Buell team members named Hayden Hemmings. He's a Newport Beach lifeguard, incredible waterman. Uh, three-time defending USA Ironman champion, but he's also the fastest open-ocean water swimmer in the U.S. He's also a really good body surfer, and he body surfs out at the wedge. And he couldn't wait to try that float suit body surfing. Wow. And uh, the initial feedback from him is that it's just incredible. It just allows you... That little extra float that uh really allows you to play even better. Yeah. And
1: uh, so he's like seriously he body surfing, gliding on faster. the water. So he's kinda of gliding on the water then, right? That's so rad. So um I and, wanted I wanted yeah. to uh, give a couple of your uh, reps shout outs. Can you can you uh let the people know who's repping your yeah. hands?
2: Well the, the rad thing is is that we're genuine. We got surfers behind it and our sales rep pride list starts right away with uh Nate Yeomans and Big Deluxe. Um, Nate Yeoman. Yeah, the big deluxe dude. He's our he's our sales rep down in San Clemente, all the way up to I'm not quite sure I think he goes all the way up to like in flight, down into San Diego. He opened up uh, Huntington Surf and Sport and Surf Ride for us. He cruises around with lost surfboards and makes everyone money from that. Yeah. So now he's carrying around dual wetsuits and they're like, shit, we'll try that too. Yeah. So uh, when you surf that good and you're that well-respected and you're that great of a human in the community, father, uh, good moral man. With a great tan and mustache, looks good in Speedos. Uh, I mean, how can you get better than Nate Yeoman? So, the Big Deluxe kind of premieres our sales reps and it goes on up. Um, uh, we just acquired a new rep, Steve Mendelson, in, in nice. that uh, Central Coast area, longtime Excel guy chalk that up. XL had a great run, didn't they? (laughs)
3: They had a great
2: run. (laughs) Uh, But even Mendelssohn seen that uh, the heat is on, people. So we got Steve, who's been in the industry forever, and then you roll right up our our, um, sales manager. His name is Bud Freitas, and uh, he's a longtime friend of mine. I signed him to a professional surf deal when I was at Hotline. Uh, he was one heat away from making the uh, main event of the Coldwater Classic. He can surf with just about anyone. Uh, he's a scratch golfer. He's a true surfer and uh, couldn't be prouder to have him at the helm of um, all of our surf reps and our real surfers. And, yeah. um, we're proud that you know our board meetings include people that I respect that's awesome we can bounce really good ideas off of yeah. does bud still have his little uh, surf camp surf lesson feel he does but you know bud's bud's a mogul dude so he owns many, he owns many businesses and once he got that thing running i think he he kind of passed it to his dad and his dad runs that business for him and uh he's got his he's got his hands in all sorts of different things dude nice who do you uh who do you have in florida uh, we had Shea Lopez, oh, wow. who we were hoping to make a kind of, we had we had him in Florida, and we were hoping to kind of ride the success of Nate Yeomans, but Shay just kind of, he's, he's a little more shaping himself, yeah. and a little more coaching, so we kind of ended up with Shay more as an ambassador, and nice. we transitioned to someone new in Florida, and I know they're doing good, I just, I, I can't recall exactly who... We took on back there, but um, nice. Uh, now we got Bud deciding who's on our team and not as far as the sales rep. So uh, I feel comfortable; comfortable. he's going to stick to the plan, yeah. and we don't, yeah. we won't have any doofballs. So I wanted to ask this uh, question: Is
0: which like custom suit you made, whether for Barney or any other athlete? What was the one that was like the hardest, but like? Most people freaked out. I, I would assume there's the one with like the fish sleeves and, and fins, and
2: you know, the ones that are probably Aquaman. a little bit more odd. Let's see, Is that like that? Uh, Is that one? God, I want to say one of my favorites has to be the Barney Batman suit that we, uh, the Barney Batman suit. Let me see if I can, that he got the cover of surfing. Let me see how this looks. And, and did you? only have you know, the cover you- surfing in the Batman suit
0: oh on gosh. like a
2: twenty foot behind the bowl Mavs bomb. And when I made the suit, look it know up if you a little bit. It, there it is. When I made the suit, when I made the suit, um, it had all these extra flaps. You know, right in right in this area, they had those flaps that looked like this, and visually it looked strange because it had the flaps on the arms and the legs and it had a big bat right here in the middle. And it had a belt and it had some utility things on it. And it looked like he was wearing a speedo (laughs) and Barney's first words was, I'm going to get the shot. And I'm like, you going to get the shot. Barney's off. I'm going to get the shot. I'm going to get the shot. And just like that time I made the Spider-Man suit, And he got the cover at the box. Uh, Dude, five weeks later, there he is standing tall in the Batman suit on the cover of surfing. And as far as I was concerned, I'm like, that is a real superhero. (laughs) The other superheroes people talk about are drawn in a comic book, and they're in our head. This dude's wearing a Spider-Man outfit, and he's actually doing death-defying shit. So... (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Barney suits as the greatest customs ever. Because for sure, will awesome. never be another Barney. Yeah, did you were you able to keep any? Did Barney like ever give any back, or did he only made one? You know, those were property of Hotline. So, you know, I was always a big fan of uh, of making things a big deal. So, when for instance, when Flea won Mavericks in those custom wetsuits. I would take them from him the very next day, and then I would put them under glass, and I would I would put stats like twenty-seven waves ridden, three heats, three wins, uh, waves made 16s, wipeouts eleven, you know. And then I know today that that, um, that that wetsuit is under glass with all those stats in the showroom at Hotline Wetsuits. That's rad. Uh, wow. I know Barney's, you know, his ex girlfriend has a lot of Barney's old Hotline suits. I've got a couple of the Buells, but the real classics, um, yeah, they're just they're just out there. You know, there's one at CCS Surf Shop up in the corner. You'll see the very first Spider-Man. Oh wow! So I don't have a lot of those, but. They're out there. That's, That's awesome. There. Speaking of, I should start putting some of those, like, groovy ones under glass now. Heck, yeah. Right?
1: So are you still running the business out of your garage, or do you guys have an uh, office, or what's the...
2: You know, I totally sold out. <laughs> you no, know, I mean, okay, at some point, I was only going to get so far out of my garage so um in order to i needed resources so i took on a business partner uh and basically he's the money and i'm the brains so um i did take on a partner and the 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 best part of it was i was able to get those resources that i had always needed i was able to hire people i don't have to do everything anymore we have a huge surf shop uh, our shop's probably four thousand square feet, and it sits across the street from O'Neill, Freeline, uh, next door to Billabong, Santa Cruz uh, skateboards. So, our surf shop and headquarters is in the heart of the surf industry, and uh, I couldn't be prouder. It did take it take it took some money to get here in order to. In order to make money, you need to spend money. And, uh, you know, in order to sell thousands and thousands of wetsuits, we had to buy thousands of wetsuits. So, uh, you know, to give up any sort of control is hard for somebody like me, but for the greater good of the brand and to not be stuck in my garage forever i made a choice that um it may be much prouder because now there's a lot more people involved and it's not just a prideful thing for me you know matt rockhold left his job at o'neill because he believed in me and one by one noe kailu kukui who's our shipping manager could win a ct event if you put him in it yeah Ah, maybe a qs event but uh to be able to share you know my dream and passion with other people who are like-minded and true surfers has been worth whatever ah, whatever i've had to give up you know because i was the sole decision i could turn on a dime i was very nimble mobile i do whatever i wanted right here right now uh and now i got a i got a fucking board of directors and you know there's there's a hint of that um that corporate stuff that you know that as a surf brand you steer as far away as possible because you know the surf brands make it because we're genuine and core so um you know making sure that ship stays on the right path is kind of my whole goal and now I don't necessarily have to do everything. I just got to make sure every everyone's doing everything right.
1: So tell us about that uh, the four thousand square foot store. Is it Buell with other brands, or is it just yeah third party brands?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a it's a regular surf shop, and we have we're very heavy in Buell. We've got Buell wetsuits. It smells like neoprene. We got Buell softboards in there. We got Buell soft goods like hats and sweatshirts. And then we also got some of the premier brands that I see eye to eye with, which, you know, is headlined by Volcom. We got nice. Volcom. I think we got the biggest Volcom selection in town. Uh, we're the only ones who have Dane Reynolds' brand former available nice. in town. I think that's really cool. It's another thing I'm proud of. Uh we got some, ah, what else do we have in there? So how many? We have Lost and, yep, a lot of surfboards. You know what? We've been trying, we tried surfboards, but they're hard to sell. And yeah. our softboards are selling like 10 to 1 right now. And yeah. we're trying to get better hardboards in there. We've got like Sharp Eye and Stretch. Uh, but, yeah, I, I- Found that in order to sell hardboards, you probably dude, you probably got to have a thousand board inventory. Yeah, yeah, either in or out
0: because yeah, there's so many shapers and so many designs, and you got to have thrusters, and surf ride, thrusters, does and retros, it right.
2: yeah, everything.
0: How right? many like, uh, surf ride does it
2: right? Like, one of the
1: one of the, what's that? One of the things that uh, we like to uh, remind people because you're a business owner and you employ local kids. How many, how many kids work for you?
2: A bunch of local surf rats. Uh, right now, it's a little weird because of COVID. You know, we can't let. Yeah, it's just weird. Um, we we did. Uh, it's it's a weird thing to say, and you see my voice changes now. All of a sudden, I'm <laughs> getting somber because I I, I I don't want to get too excited about the fact that you know we're one of the brands that um, you know didn't falter i mean if you had a weakness it was exposed and a lot of people didn't make it out of uh, uh, even a few months and uh you know there's some industries that have like a gnarly uphill climb um gyms yeah. and that kind of thing it, it's really tough but uh, we've done well throughout you know these four months surfing has done well yeah so you know it's it's strange that, you know, surfing um, is doing so well right now, but... Um, well, it's one fuck. of the few, few sports
0: but, that you could actually
2: do, you know, like without being hey, restricted indoors or, or with close with other people. The ocean's healthy. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: You
2: yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, a lot of people say there's, you know, healing microbes in the ocean and, and uh, breathing the salt air. You've got to think you know, keeps us a little clearer as far as just uh, in a mindset. And like um, I can't see anything but good coming from the ocean and participating in all ocean activities, whether it's, you know, swimming or paddle boarding or surfing, which all of those sports, by the way, like nobody can keep a board of any kind in stock basically, because whether you live on a lake or at the beach, you want to be out there. I mean, Nothing better than rinsing the egg off.
0: <laughs> yeah. I always say it's
2: the, the best non-workout you'll ever get surfing. Oh, goodness, yeah. How great does it make you feel when you I, – I, it's it's the exercise, but it's the salt and the sun, and, like, you just, you just feel great. The beer tastes better. <laughs> the barbecue food just tastes a little better. So, you know, I mean, I think we're finding out that, you know, we're, we're – we always knew as surfers that we were lucky, uh, but in this day and age, I think we're all realizing that we're, you know, we're lucky that our sport is surfing. And you know, my buddies that their sport is jujitsu—they're fucked. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Coming back for a while. I mean, yeah, that sport is built on very close contact. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: and uh, you know, my buddy who owns gym down the street he's struggling and it sucks. You know, we're drinking beers and I'm trying to contain my, you know, excitement that we just broke another record today. And here my buddy is, he can't figure out how to train with even one dude,
3: Uh,
2: you know? And like that, it's just, it's, it's a tough position for a lot of people to be in. Mm -hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, we're lucky that surfing's kind of thriving through this. And, um, you know, it's kind of a bit of a renaissance for the sport. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's
0: you know that's a good way to put it, and that's what we're about. You know, yeah. Just keeping this dream alive.
1: So keep the dream alive. So well, we we're uh, kind of connected in a lot of different ways, right? Um, the person that put us in touch is Chad Wells, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, is Chad Wells. Uh, how's your, what's your affiliation with Chad Wells?
2: I've known Chad Wells from the industry forever. Um, I can remember when I was announcing the Volcom championship events that down in Newport Beach. Uh, we had just introduced a bunch of new Buell suits, and he was a competitor with Quicksilver. And I remember him and a guy named Shay Perkins, who's been in the industry forever. And I looked up to and respected both those guys. And we were competitors to some extent. I mean, how much was I competing with Quicksilver then? Not, but look at me now. But <laughs> those guys took it upon themselves to like, pull me aside and basically uh, tell me how stoked they were for me. And uh-huh. then, uh, keep it up. You're doing great. And, um, chad has this connection to the buell family denny buell sam buell madison buell uh my little uh, super nephew Scoopaloof, trevor isbell uh chris waring they're all buell family and um they all hail from seal beach long beach uh and chad has known the family forever and um the fact that we had mutual respect for each other is awesome and when we started growing faster than we knew how to deal with uh, and we had a position that was perfect for him but we jumped him right in and i couldn't be happier and yeah uh, uh, chad wells is the new buell marketing manager Woo! yeah nice, I, think his, I think his title is even fancier than that like like sports sports marketing manager vice president he's a vp dude that's so
1: amazing dude we're so psyched for him
2: yeah so So we're just connecting to the family and mutual respect and knowing again that's another true surfer that we've added to the group i i I keep thinking i keep wanting to pinch myself because i don't know we got we got jamie o'brien i got Matt Rockhold, I got Bud Freitas, I got Nate Yeomans. We got uh, we got this incredible program. Dream team. I couldn't be happier.
1: Yeah, you, you, awesome. you've assembled a, a, a super team, a dream team.
2: I hope so. <laughs> I like working with all of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's rad.
1: Well, shoot, dude, we've got uh, two and a half hours now. <laughs> if you can believe that um sweet let's uh let's uh get some more little questions uh did you ever because i know i i I witnessed uh bud frieda's freaking pulling in and getting shacked and uh was an internet sensation instagram sensation and got a sick right at at uh kelly's uh pool have you partaken at at the surf ranch yet
2: been there, never done that. Been what? there like four times for, been there like four times for our athletes, uh, and just haven't gotten a chance. Um, made made a lot of wetsuits for Kelly, and we've had a good connection. Um, most of our connections have been all over the world. We haven't connected at the ranch yet. There's yeah. rumors that. We might be meeting up out there soon for whatever reason.
1: Bro, you you better... Uh, so
2: I, I'm hoping I get to surf it one day, but you, I haven't caught any waves out there.
1: Oh, man, I, I'm disappointed. You got to pull that card.
2: I know. Well, <laughs> it's one of those cards that you wait for him to pull on you. You know, I'm sure everyone's... Can you imagine how many people are asking him? And I know how ownership works. He doesn't literally own like every booking experience he can't just call in and be all give my buddy an hour or two you know (laughs) uh so i know it's a lot harder than that but i'm i got my fingers crossed and i'm confident that one day it's gonna happen yeah i've surfed waco and waco was a blast yeah super fun
1: i haven't i haven't partaken in waco but i've i've done surf ranch a couple times so you know, you're, you're a successful entrepreneur. What uh, what bit of advice do you have for our listeners?
2: Uh, choose your field um, in your passion. If if you are passionate about what you do, you leave it up to everyone else to decide whether you're working or not. Believe it or not, I'm working right now. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. This is what I've earned by staying passionate and true to it. And like, honestly, not even my wife knows when I'm truly working and when I'm not, because to somebody who's passionate about what they do, you're doing both. I'm always working yet. I'm never working. <laughs> so all I can say is that you choose something you really, truly love and it never feels like going to work. And, I'm, I'm never off-duty, and I'm never on-duty. I'm just me.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome.
2: That's the way we
1: love it. What, uh, <laughs> is there any uh, kind of uh, things you want to promote or any kind of news that you want to uh, let out the bag, or do we go all over everything?
2: Uh, I, well, the only news I want to say, I guess, is that we're not done yet. Yeah. Just because we got the... Prince of Surfing and Jamie O'Brien um, doesn't mean we're not looking for um, more to add to the program, let's just say. And, you know, we we signed Sage Erickson uh, really? early on because we're all about the girls, too. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there and available, and I know we have a couple uh, new team rider announcements we're going to make soon, and I love all those names we were talking about because they're interesting to talk about. Whether or not they're the ones, I don't know. Yeah. I can't really go on too much. We might be adding something in Australia. Yeah. Nice. But let's just say we're not done.
1: Yeah. There is a podcast well, we love, that you uh, that would be a good pickup. You know that, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I know a good podcast that will help us, market. <laughs> <laughs> There's a local kid here too. I'd love, I'd love to somehow get on board. He's, he goes by the name the Pride of the West Side. Sure would love to have us some Nat Young on the program, Ooh, right? You know, he, he got released from Hurley mid year last year, and uh, he's wearing a bunch of different stuff. But he he wears bules, but um, nothing official. Yeah, I would love to get him on the program.
1: That'd be awesome.
2: God, if we could get Dane officially, that would be sick. Yeah, but Kelly Slater, dude. He's what if we offered him something similar to what we offered Jamie? I mean, ownership in this brand would probably be hot right now, right? Like, uh, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. What if we just offered? What if we just offered Kelly a small percentage of ownership to make it official with Buell? Yeah,
1: could happen. Could happen.
2: Uh, uh, John, John's still out there. Yeah,
0: Um, this is if you have money and and you got a a name on wrapping up right now is a good time, right?
1: Well, shoot, man, this has been an amazing interview, Ryan Buell. Yeah, congratulations, congratulations on uh, the brand and where things are heading. Uh, We're stoked to see good dudes succeed and hire you know, friends of ours that, you know, help uh, build your success and uh, keep up the good work, man.
2: Yes. Thank you, guys, dude. That was awesome. Thanks so much. Good night, Jay. Good to finally kind of connect. It's really nice to
1: finally meet you. Yeah, man. Well, congratulations, bud. And I'm going to hit you up later for some photos and videos.
2: Yeah, hit me up um, and we'll reconnect. Let me know anything I can do or I'll try and give you guys some breaking news before anyone else gets it. Beautiful, That'd dude! That'd be amazing.
1: All right, on. Thanks, Ryan.
2: Thank Buell wetsuits oh, you at
1: your local surf
2: shop. Oh, yeah, Buel. yeah, yeah. We're all about the feel. There we it feel is. Buell wetsuits. We keep it real. We keep it real. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the feel. All oh, Buell. Everything. Now that's real.
3: Peace. Peace.
1: <laughs> Peace. Thanks, bud.